Some years ago, I knew a man. Uh, it was not in this town. I'll go ahead and say that so you won't have to be looking around all during the service. Uh, sometimes we get them narrowed down. Like, That's him back here. Uh, years ago, I knew a man, and he heard the gospel, and he said that he trusted Christ, Jesus, for his salvation. After that, he and his family started looking for a church, and they looked around their community, and he found one, and they started faithfully attending that church. They became involved in that church, and they were very glad for the fellowship of the church. And in discussions, he would talk about his church and the things his kids were learning, and they became, again, involved in this church. At some point, the church asked him, if he had ever spoken in tongues. He said no, and they, they said they were concerned about that and that they would begin to pray that he would, and they did. They began to pray that he would. Now, their belief was that if he, was, if he had not spoken in tongues, that he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. They believe tongues is evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, they believe that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a separate event from being saved, but necessary for believers. And if he had not spoken in tongues, he was not filled with the Holy Spirit. And they told him after a certain time, if he had not evidenced being filled with the Holy Spirit, that he was not saved, and he would be asked to leave the church. He would be put out of the church. Now, the time they gave him was one year after their discussion, if you have not evidenced being filled with the Holy Spirit in a year, we're going to ask you to leave the church. And they prayed for him, and they prayed around him, and they prayed with him. They told him verses to read, and they gave him a whole bunch of verses to read. They gave him things to say. Now, they tried to get him to pray faster and faster and faster, and still he never spoke in tongues. They even, toward the end, began to have special meetings specifically focused on his speaking in tongues. At one of those meetings, they massaged his mouth, trying to loosen up his mouth that he might speak in tongues. As time got closer, the man began to wonder, was he saved? And that's the first thing, I wonder if I'm saved. I know what the Bible says about, about faith in Christ, but I, I have no evidence of it here. He knew the gospel, he believed it, and they began to wonder, did, did he actually believe the gospel? And he began to wonder about his sin. Maybe I have some sin, and maybe there's something I haven't confessed. And he began to be, be worried about maybe my sin, or my heart, or my mind, or my thoughts. Maybe that's what's keeping this from happening. And he began to wonder about the faith, and, and, and his faith. Did he have faith? And he began to wonder about God's word. Is God's word true? Is this what God's word has said? In that process, his wife began to wonder about him. She, she had done it early on when they joined the church, and she began to wonder, was he truly saved? What was his problem? Why was he lying? What was the issue of his heart, of his life? And she began to wonder about her husband. The church began to wonder about him, and he felt when he came in, the church was wondering, well, what's going on with this guy? What's happening here? And he began to wonder about the church. It was a time of high stress. 
he considered faking it. Just get it over with. He decided, no, I can fake it. He decided against that. And before that date came to save everyone a whole lot of grief, he was embarrassed and he was hurt and he was confused and honestly, he was broken. He stopped attending that church or any other church since in the last 20 years. He stopped reading his Bible. He had no confidence in it. He stopped leading his family. My wife can do it. Let her lead the family. He no longer felt a need to pray, and he quit praying. And his faith was shipwrecked. They are now this many years removed. They are now divorced. And not one of those people, not he, not his wife, not his kids, could you say that they are walking with Jesus Christ? Oh, how terrible that is. Oh, how sad that is. I want to tell you the point to all that is this. What we believe matters. Listen, more than that, what we teach, what we hold as truth matters. And it must be right because eternities are at stake. Well, here's the question. We've talked about it a lot, but here's the question. So how do we know what's right? We hear this, we hear that. How do we know what's right? Well, I'll tell you this. We study God's word. Our answer is found in the truth of God's word. I want to tell you, it's not based upon church tradition, not based upon Baptist tradition. It's not found with the church fathers. It's not what we would like it to be. The answer comes solely from the word of God. Well, today we're going to see this subject in the study of Acts. As we continue our study, we're going to see exactly this subject. Today our message is entitled, A Triumph of Truth. A Triumph of Truth. Today we're in Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 10. Acts chapter 19, today verses 1 through 10. I'm going to ask if you would, if you'd stay with me in the honor and the reverence of the reading of God's Word. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, no, we've not even heard of whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who is coming after him, that is, in Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. They were in all about 12 men. Then he, and he entered into the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. But when, when, when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dirty Father, we come and we're thankful for your truth we're thankful for your word. We're thankful most of all for the Savior of that word, Jesus. 
Lord, I pray as we've come today that we have exalted you, that we will, that we've lifted up your name, that we'll continue to do so. And I pray that the name of Jesus would be worshiped and held high in the meeting of the church today. Lord, I pray as we begin to study now, I pray that you would speak, that you would lead, that you would teach us, and that it would be your truth. And I pray that we would be shaped as individuals, that we would be shaped as a church. And I pray as the result is we'd be efficient in your business, that we'd be useful for your kingdom, that the name of Jesus would be known and glorified. Lord, I pray if there's one and maybe several that do not know you today, I pray in the hearing of good news that today they might trust you. I pray that any hindrance to that would be removed. And I pray that today would be the day of their salvation. Lord, we love you. We commit this to you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As we approach our verses today, I want to be very clear. The truth matters. I want to be very clear. And I've said this for years, but in matters of truth, Close enough is not good enough. A lot of times we say, well, that's close enough. Well, it it, it seems to be right, and close enough is good enough. Well, I want you to know, in matters of truth, close enough is not good enough because if the truth is compromised, if the truth is missed, at best, people are hurt, and at worst, people are lost. That's the truth of it. Today, people come along, and I hear it all the time, and and maybe you hear it. Maybe we're going to hear it after today. But they come along, and they say, well, why worry about this? Why take issue with this? Can't we just agree to disagree? You ever hear that? Can't we just agree to disagree and move on? And that's, that's applied to many issues today. Why do you have to take up issue with this? Well, the reality is God gives us his truth, so that we might know his truth because the truth matters. Now, I want you to think about that. That's that's a pretty profound understanding. God's not playing games with us. He's not assembled a bunch of riddles that we have to figure out. God gives us his truth so that we might know his truth because the truth matters. And so when we come to that, we approach these verses, we need to say, you know what, God, I want you to show us. I want you to lead us. I'm going to have open ears and open mind. But I want to settle on the truth as God has presented it because the truth matters. God gives us the truth because he wants us to know the truth because the truth matters. All right, let's go to our verses starting in chapter 19, verse 1. It happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. Now, we start off where we left off last week with Apollos. Remember from last week, he knew the Old Testament scriptures. He was astute in the Old Testament scriptures. He knew the promise of a Savior, the promise of a Messiah that came from the Old Testament scriptures. And so he knew about the coming Messiah. He knew of a Savior promised from God. Now, we also saw last week, he also knew the teaching of John the Baptist. The teaching was that we would see our sins, that we should be repentant, that we would be sorrowful over about our sins. Remember, John was baptizing the Jews 
as a sign of their repentance. Well, we find last week, Apollos is boldly proclaiming what he knew. That's important. What he knew, he knew the Old Testament scriptures. He knew the teaching of John the Baptist. He is boldly proclaiming what he knew. But here's the problem. What he knew was deficient. What he knew was deficient. Why? Because he didn't know Jesus. And that's what we saw last week. Because he did not know Jesus. Well, a married couple, Priscilla and Aquila, they hear Apollos. They see him boldly proclaiming. They hear him. They hear his message. And the Bible says that they take him aside. They pull him aside and they tell him the Messiah of the Old Testament, the Savior of the New Testament is Jesus the Nazarene. And that's what they do. You've been looking for a Savior. You know the promised Messiah. Well, that promise is fulfilled in this Jesus, Jesus the Nazarene. They tell him, when we repent, we turn from our sin and we turn to Jesus. That's how we're saved, by faith. When we repent, when we're sorrowful over our sin, looking for a Savior for that sin, we turn away from that sin and we turn to Jesus. Very simply, like Paul Harvey, they tell Apollos the rest of the story. Some here won't even know what I'm talking about, but that's what they do. They tell him of Jesus. The fulfillment of prophecy, the Savior is Jesus. Now, the Bible says, excited about the gospel message that Apollos goes to Corinth. He hears it. He receives it. He's excited for others to know it. And so he goes to Corinth to tell them as well. Now, that's where we left off last week. In, in verse 1, it says, it happened while Apollos was in Corinth. And so he's there. He hears the truth. He leaves Ephesus, goes to Corinth to preach the gospel. Well, while he is in Corinth, Paul comes back to Ephesus, and the Bible says, coming back, he found some disciples. Now, I want you to see this. It does not say disciples of Jesus. It says he found there some disciples. In a minute, we're going to see, in fact, they were disciples of John the Baptist. Now, let me just tell you this. There are some that use this account, this very account, to teach that there are believers, disciples, that do not yet have the Holy Spirit. And that's what they teach in their church. They use this set of verses, this account, to teach that the Holy Spirit comes in another event, a separate event from salvation, from belief in Jesus. They call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit, other things as well. But they take these verses and say, well, there's another event. There's an event where you believe, and then there's a subsequent event where you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And they teach that it's a separate event. Now, I want you to stay with me right here because the truth surely matters. Verse 1 again, it happened that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus and found some disciples. He said to them, verse 2, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? 
And they said to him, no, we've not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they say, no, we do not even know about the Holy Spirit. What are you talking about? Holy Spirit, we've never heard that. And so they have not received the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, they do not even know who he is. What are you talking about? We've never heard that. Verse 3. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. Now, this is the key right here. What have you professed? This is really what he's asking. What, what have you professed? Have you professed Jesus? Have you been baptized, publicly professing faith in Jesus? Have you professed faith in Jesus? Have you followed in baptism as a follower of Jesus? And they say here in this verse, verse 3, no, it was into John's baptism. Now, these men had heard also the teaching of John the Baptist. They had repented of their sin, and they had been baptized, demonstrating, showing their repentance. Well, I want you to see this. I want you to see what's happened here. They are ready to hear of Jesus. And when I read that, I think, praise the Lord, the ministry of John the Baptist is still bearing fruit right here. The ministry of John the Baptist is still preparing people for Jesus, and they are ready to hear of Jesus. But I also want you to see this and be very sure of this. However, apart from hearing of Jesus, they are lost. Same as last week. Good man, yes. Bold, yes. Knew the Old Testament scriptures, yes. Apart from hearing of Jesus, they are lost. Listen to me. Are they sorrowful over their sin? Yes. Are they looking for a Savior for their sin? Yes. But outside of the hearing of the truth of Jesus, they are lost. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism, verse 4. Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is in Jesus. In effect, notice this. This is the same message that Priscilla and Aquila had instructed Apollos in. The Savior for sin it is Jesus, the Nazarene, the need for sinners. It is Jesus. And when we repent from our sin, we turn to Jesus. Now, can you imagine the joy in that? I want you to think about that. We miss that. I think we read over this and we miss that. Can you imagine the joy of these 12? Now, listen to me. <laughs> what if the last message you ever heard was your sin brings judgment and death. What if the last message you ever heard is your sin is a rebellion against God? What if the last sermon you ever heard is your sin, you sin, and in your sin, you've rejected God? What if the last message you ever heard is your sin 
results in a broken fellowship with God. In fact, your fellowship with God, because of your sin, it is broken. What if that's the last sermon you heard? What if you walked out of that sermon and you felt the weight of your sin? You knew your sin. You knew you were responsible for your sin. You you knew the regret of your sin. And that was the last sermon you'd ever heard. Sure, you wanted to honor God. Sure, you were looking to God. But the problem is still your sin. Oh, the weight of sin. Can you imagine if that's the last sermon you've heard? You're a sinner and you you can't hide it. You're a sinner and that's the truth and the weight of your sin. You've broken your relationship, your fellowship with God. And can you imagine if the next sermon is that Christ paid for sin on Calvary? Can you imagine that? It is finished in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus paid it all. There's nothing left that you have to do. What if you started to hear the sermon? You know what? It doesn't matter how big your sin is. It doesn't matter how great your sin is. It doesn't matter how well-known your sin is. Therefore, there is no condemnation for he who is in Christ Jesus. And you hear of God's grace. Oh, can you imagine the joy? Sin has a remedy in Jesus. Can you imagine the joy? Sinners have a Savior in Jesus. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine these 12? Verse 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Awesome verse. When they heard this, I've already been baptized once, but I, I did that with John. Well, I got a beauty operator appointment later in the month. Well, people think I've gone crazy in religion. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. They believed they were saved, and it says they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, I want you to be sure right here, this is not talking about the words that the baptizer says. Uh, when, I, when I baptize, you've heard it a million times, what I say. Uh, this is not talking about those words. The name of Jesus here is talking about the understanding of Jesus. They were baptized in the truth of Jesus, in the true gospel of Jesus. And they were baptized in the understanding of Jesus. Verse 6. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Well, now believing, they are now saved, and they now receive the Holy Spirit of God. Just like all believers, they receive the Holy Spirit of God. Now, if you notice this, it's just like those that waited at Pentecost. There in the upper room, there's an event when they receive the Holy Spirit. It's the same for these folks. And the Bible says when they do, they speak in tongues and they prophesy. Understand what has happened here. Now they understand the gospel. Now they know who Jesus is. Now they know about the Holy Spirit. And with Paul the apostle present, they receive the Holy Spirit. 
Let me make something very clear here. Listen, I want everybody to listen. Today, we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God when we believe in Jesus. Make no mistake, the truth matters. We receive the totality of the Holy Spirit of God when we trust in Jesus for our salvation. Understand, it is not a later event. It does not happen in stages. He is an individual. You do not receive an individual in stages. It doesn't happen a little bit here and a little bit in a, in a service and a little bit somewhere else. It is not something we have to seek. It does not come from a particular service or act or, or water baptism or prayer or anything else. When a person trusts Jesus as their Lord and Savior, when they are saved, listen to me, dear friend, they are filled with the totality, the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. If you trusted Jesus, that is your reality. Ephesians 1.13. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Ephesians 1.13, listen to that. Oh, listen to that. Paul writes that. Paul writes that. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. They were having this issue in the church, the churches in Galatia. Galatians 3, 2 says, this is only what the thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? Did you do something to receive the Spirit? Or by hearing with faith. That's what Paul says. You are filled with the Holy Spirit when you are saved by placing your faith in Jesus. It says that just like many in the book of Acts, those that were at Pentecost, they spoke in tongues, a language. They prophesied. It was a testimony to the saving power of the gospel. Now, let me ask you something. Does it say if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will speak in tongues? doesn't say that anywhere in the New Testament. Does it say if you're saved, you'll speak in tongues? It doesn't say that in anywhere in the New Testament. Let me ask you a question. Why does that matter? We have to get this right. Why does it matter? Listen very carefully. Here's three reasons why it matters. First thing is this. Satan likes confusion. Satan likes confusion. He likes deception. He likes confusion. He likes doubt. Do you know Satan loves it if he can cause a whole slew of people, a whole church of people to walk around and say, am I saved? I don't know if I'm saved. I don't know if that's real. I, I think I did, but maybe I'm not. Well, I never have spoken in tongues. Maybe I'm not saved. Am I missing something? What if, what if a whole bunch of people are walking around saying, am I missing something? I heard that they did it, but I've never done it. Am I missing something? Am I, am I weak in my faith? Am I immature in my faith? Am I missing something? How come they did it and I haven't? It builds spiritual elitism if you're not careful. Satan likes doubt. Satan likes confusion. 
The second reason, second reason is this, because people spend a lot of time seeking something they already have or wanting more of something, they already have all of it. Let me, let me explain that. I know people, and, I, and you may as well, and they're seeking the Holy Spirit. And they're seeking another filling of the Holy Spirit and a greater filling of the Holy Spirit. And they're seeking something they already have if they're a follower of Jesus Christ. And they're seeking something more of something that they have the fullness of if they're a follower of Jesus Christ. And I watch those folks and they go around, if I do this, if I pray this, if I go to this service, if I could just experience this and I've had a bad day and I have some issues and I need a greater feeling of the Holy Spirit and if I could do this and they toil their time seeking something that they have the fullness of if they put their faith in Jesus Christ and it consumes them. I know people absolutely consumed with this subject. You know what the Bible says? If you've trusted Jesus He's forgiven you of your sins. He's cleansed you of all unrighteousness. He has given you eternal life, and he has filled you with the Holy Spirit of God. That's the good news. Third reason this matters is this. It's because this. You cannot live as a follower of Jesus Christ apart from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And we need to say that. We need to say it very loudly. You cannot live. Your willpower is not enough. Your strength is not enough. Your intellect is not enough. And you cannot live as a follower of Jesus Christ apart from the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God living inside of you. But I want you to hear me today. You can have confidence today if you've trusted Jesus. You have all you need. What a, what a weird thing to say. Can you imagine all the things I've received in Jesus, but I need something else? All the things I have in Jesus, but I need something else. What a, what a harm to his reputation. You know what? We have all we need in Jesus. The fullness of the Holy Spirit we are indwelt with as followers of Jesus Christ. What we believe matters. All right, verse 7. There were in all about 12 men. Kind of wraps it up, but that's a big deal. There were in all about 12 men. In verse 7, it says, the truth has triumphed. In the hearing of the gospel, they have believed the gospel. They are saved. They are forgiven. They are restored. They are made new. They have eternal life. They are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the truth has triumphed. All glory be to Christ. What a victory this is. And there were 12 in all. They got saved that day. The truth has prevailed. Folks, I want you to be sure of this. Listen to me. All people outside of the message of the gospel, like these 12 and like Apollos before them, all people outside of the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are doomed. We live in an age where we want to soften that down. We want to make that well. We can fudge on that a little bit. Listen, all people outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ, they are doomed. But I want you to hear me on this as well. But the good news is, are you listening? In the grace of God, 
The love of God is offered to all people through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's tremendous. God loves. God made a way. And in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, his grace is offered, made available to all people. Listen, that's why the truth matters. That's why we preach the truth of Jesus Christ. It's because a world outside of Jesus, they are hurting and they are suffering and they're spinning around and they're wishing there was a hope. Oh, if we could just find a hope and the grace of God, the good news of Jesus is made available in the proclamation of the gospel. Listen, friends, it is what we do. It's our mission. We preach Jesus. In season and out of season, in the heat of summer and with snow on the ground, we preach Jesus. Now, I want to be sure of something. I'm not just talking about this pulpit. I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about the person trusting Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We preach Jesus. Do you know somebody you know needs to know Jesus? Do you know somebody you know probably woke up this morning and they're sucking for air, trying to hide the pain and they need Jesus? Do you know somebody you know today, if they perish, they'll die outside of Christ and they will perish eternally. It is we preach Jesus. Now I want you to watch Paul. I, I watch this as we go through these verses. Does Paul ever go, Woo! <laughs> I'm going home. Tad gum, two missionary journeys, part of a third one. Woo, I'm going home. I'm going to sit back. You know what? I've got some ribeyes I'm cooking this afternoon. Here's what I, He may have eaten ribeyes, but here's what he does in verse 8. He entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading them about the kingdom of God. I like verse 8 because it says he was reasoning and persuading them. He was pleading with them. Here's what he was actually doing. He was trying to convince them to trust Jesus as the Savior. We live in this goofy day where, you know what, I, I'm not going to persuade you. I'm not, I'm not coming to evangelize you. I, I, you have your right, and it's good. I'm glad you have your right. But I have mine. I have my truth as well. And you know what, I'm not, I'm, oh, I'm not going to try to persuade anybody. You know what Paul does? He tries to persuade them. And if they shut one door, he tries the back door. And if they shut the back door, he's looking in the window. He is trying to convince them Jesus is the Savior. Verse 9. But when some were becoming hardened and disobedient, some of them weren't listening. He tried it for three months. Speaking evil of the way before the people, he withdrew from them, we'll leave there, and took away the disciples, reasoning daily in the school of Tyrannus. He leaves there, he goes to Tyrannus. Verse 10, this took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. This took place for two years so that all who lived in Asia heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. I want you to listen one more time to the end of that. So that all who lived in Asia 
heard the word of the Lord, both Jews and Greeks. The word goes out. The word goes out. They all heard it. Jews and Greeks, the word goes out. I want to tell you something today that's very awesome. And that is this. Today we have the same message. Today we have the same good news. And it it hasn't changed. It hasn't morphed. The same news that Apollos heard and received and was saved. The same news that these 12 received and they had the forgiveness of their sins. It has not changed. Listen, in 2022, the promise of the gospel is the same today. We are sinners, all of us. In our sin, we've rebelled against God. We've rejected God in our sin. We've earned a a punishment in our sin. That is still the same. Well, haven't we become advanced enough? No, we've all sinned. And in our sin, we've earned a punishment. In our sin, we're condemned. We're helpless. We're hopeless. There's nothing we can do in our sin. Nothing we can do. Well, can I work hard enough? Can I come to church enough? Can I change enough? No. You can try. Many have tried for years. We are condemned, helpless, and hopeless in our sin. But I want to tell you the message is still the same today. But God so loved the world. He so loves that he sees our helplessness, he sees our hopelessness, and he sends his only begotten son, Jesus, the prize of heaven, he sends Jesus. He comes and he takes on human skin, flesh. He lives a life he never sins that he might die in our place. And that's exactly what he does. They take him, they accuse him falsely, they beat him, they whip him, they nail him to a cross. The, the payment for, for sin, the, the, the anger of God for sin is poured out on him. He is the propitiation, the settlement for sin. He pays for it. Jesus does. They put him in a borrowed tomb. Three days later, it's not a myth. It's not a superstition. It's not something to make us comfortable. It is the truth of the gospel. Three days later, Jesus walks out of that grave and the price of sin is paid for. Redemption is secured. He stands as the risen king. And the Bible says the good news is still relevant for today. It is still offered in the grace of God today. It still stands today. If you will trust that Savior this very morning, you shall be saved. That's the good news of our gospel. That is the truth. And listen, receive by faith. It still triumphs. Here's the question today. If you don't know Jesus today, Won't you join these 12? Won't you join Apollos? Won't you join so many countless others? Won't you join me today? If you've never trusted Jesus, turn to him today. The truth still triumphs. He'll save you today. Let's pray. Dear Father, we come and we're so thankful for good news. Lord, I pray that the truth takes a weight off of us. The truth tells us we have what we need in you, that our salvation is full in you, complete, finished. Lord, I pray that in the hearing of of the truth today, again, that we're encouraged. 
strengthened, renewed. And then I pray for some that maybe are hearing it for the very first time. I pray that they would receive it and by faith they'd be saved today. No work of their own. But they would trust you today and in that, in that faith, in that trust, they'd be saved. Lord, I, I'm thankful that good news is still good news. And I'm thankful that the truth still triumphs. Lord, I pray that we'd be proclaimers of it, preachers of it. And I pray on this hour and this time of invitation, we'd be responders to it. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we worship you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna close our service with a time of response, a time of invitation. And I'll just tell you the good news is offered to you right now. I believe this is truly the most important time of our hour together, a time to respond to the truth of God's word. Let me tell you a couple responses. First off, if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, settle that today. If you're here and you're, you're like my friend and you're wondering, I don't know and I don't know and I don't know and I have no peace and there were some things in the past but I don't even know about them, listen, you can settle it right now. Settle it today. If you don't know, if you're not sure, let's settle it today. If you've never trusted Jesus and you're sure of that, let's settle that today. Maybe your response is, you know what, I have trusted Christ. And I've kind of let it grow cold. And I've got my eyes on other things. Maybe your, your response today is just to say, you know what, I'm back in. I'm a proclaimer. I, I, I have enough integrity that I'm not going to let a world go without hearing the good news that we have in Jesus. Maybe that's your response. Maybe you're here and you've trusted Christ, but you never fought in believer's baptism. As Daniel did this morning, can you come and say, you know what, I, I want that testimony to stand. By immersion, that's always the New Testament model. After we're saved, that's always the New Testament model. As a testimony to Jesus, maybe you need to come and we'll, we'll set a date. It'll be a great day of celebration. Maybe you're looking for a church home and you've prayed about it and you believe God has led you here. You come as well. Together we'll serve upholding his word for his glory that he comes again. Maybe you want to come pray at an altar this morning. Maybe you want to come pray with me. I'm going to ask that no one would stir about, no one head for an exit. Pray for those who are making decisions. If you have a decision to make, you step out. You come on. I'll meet you here. We stand to sing. You step out. You come on. I'll meet you here.